Welcome to Living Through the Word, the official podcast of the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word, a diocese of the Anglican Church in North America. I'm Julian Dobbs, and I'm so pleased that you've joined me today. On this podcast, we have different guests from across the diocese and the global Anglican Church to discuss topics that matter to you, to us, to your ministry, and to life today. And it's my great pleasure today to welcome Bishop-elect Jake Worley, uh, Bishop-elect of the Diocese of Caspadia. Jake, it's great to have you with us. Thank you for having me. It's a joy. By the time we air this, you might, in fact, be Bishop Jake Worley. So let's see how all of that goes, right? Lord willing, yes. Uh, Bishop-elect Jake was born in Alabama, moved to Gallup, New Mexico, uh, where he was raised, studied zoology, amongst many other things. Uh, he's also a beekeeper. That's really cool. wonder how you got into that. I don't uh, know. It was, it was at school that he met uh, his wife, Kelly. They have five adult children. Um, after college, Jake worked for several years as a wildlife biologist in New Mexico, where he worked on wildlife censuses, habitat delineations, and environmental assessments for the United States Forest Service, amongst other things. During his time in college, uh, Jake experienced a call to ordain ministry, and he enrolled in Trinity School for Ministry, was ordained uh, in deacon in 2004, and upon graduation and uh, became a priest in 2005. He served local congregations, ministered as a church planter, and most recently served as the rector of St. Andrews in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, as you might have already discovered, Jake and I are very close friends. Uh, I am thrilled the Lord has brought us together on our own Pilgrim's Progress, uh, and I'm super thrilled um, that he's here with us today. I've invited Bishop-elect Jake uh, to be on what we've called um, these editions of the Bishop's Book Club as we make our way through Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. But before we get to the book, uh, Jake, tell us how you came to follow Jesus and just a little bit about the diocese of which you've been called to serve. Thank you. Yes, I, um, I I was raised in a very, very liberal, progressive household where I didn't have, um, I, I wasn't raised as a Christian and um, actually was a, I, I called myself a communist, even though I didn't have the, the card. I, if I had a card, I would gladly have shown it to everybody as a card carrying communist. Um, I went into the Russian studies first in my in college years uh, because that was what you did. Uh, but the Lord got me. I was low hanging fruit. And um, I began to, in the process of my um, my walk before Christ, I, I, I got into trouble in the college, as some uh, university students are wont to do when they have a new bit of freedom. And uh, my parents saw that and and invited me to come and, and live with them and start kind of start over. And this was in Southern New Mexico. So I moved in with them and uh, went to the, the, the university in Southern New Mexico. They did not have a Russian program, but they ended up with, a, there was a, um, a biology program. So I joined the biology department began. Uh, so I, in my, in my heart, in my mind, I was a, I was a communist and a, a uh, learning how to be a biologist and empiricist and so forth. And so that's kind of my worldview at the time. Um, I approached a, a woman who was in her middle ages to, to study with, who was there, a non-traditional student, because I thought I wouldn't get into trouble with her. 
And, um, and so I went to her house to study and she, she introduced me to Jesus. She asked me the question, do you know Jesus as your Lord and savior? And I, uh, I argued with her. I fought with her. I, I gave hard questions and went back over and over again to visit with her and to study and with her little group. And, um, and we, we, we strove to find answers to those questions I asked and she wouldn't play games. She didn't, uh, try to, to, um, uh, give me an answer that she didn't believe or understand herself. So we would search the scriptures together or we'd go ask somebody who she trusted. And eventually by the end of the end of the year, uh, I, I recognized that, you know, she, she really had a relationship with somebody I couldn't see that I believed was there. And so I, I said, okay, I think I need that too. And I accepted Christ, uh, sitting on her doorstep in silver city, New Mexico. And, um, and then she said to me, Jake, you need to meet my daughter. And that's my wife now. So she, she didn't even let me know she had a daughter until I had accepted Christ. And, uh, and eight months later, we were we were married, and we have been been now coming up on thirty four years. So congratulations! It's, it's, it's been great. And I mean, it's it's so much. Uh, one of the things I've been doing, uh, Jake, on this uh, recording is getting bishops to share their story because Pilgrim's Progress is a story. It's a story about mm-hmm. a man primarily who comes to find Jesus and the story of his life on his way to the celestial city. Um, you've been elected yes. to serve as the Bishop of the Diocese of Cascadia. Tell yes. us about Yeah, tell us about the diocese. The diocese is a large geographical diocese. It, it, it's Alaska, Washington State, and Oregon. Uh, there just are a small it, place then, right? No, just, yeah, just, you know, just, a, you can just drive across it. And, um, there are, this started for about 14 years ago, about four parishes, and now we're approaching um, more than 26 and with some church plants. And um, it's, it's, it's a good diocese of lovely people, uh, faithful people, people who are passionate about, about the gospel, about church ministry, about uh, evangelizing. And, um, and it's, in a, it's in an area, I mean, first of all, it's beautiful, and who can deny that? But the the need is so great. The need there for Christ is um, incredible. We live in a, in a post-structuralist world, and there's no foundation for people to stand on, so they're standing on anything they can. And I think that the church has something to offer, obviously, have Jesus to stand on and Jesus to, to give them. And um, we can give them, we can show them like evangelists did in the previous chapter to, the, do you see that light down there? That's the light. That's there you go. There. So... Um, and, uh, that's, that's what we hope to see happen. Yeah. And you begin your ministry there when? The, uh, the consecration, Lord willing, uh, is February 24th. The Pilgrim's Progress has been printed and read and translated more often than any book other than the Bible. Millions of Christians have cherished John Bunyan's allegorical tale of the journey of Christian on his epic adventure as he leaves home in the city of destruction and he begins the long quest 
to the Celestial City. And Bishop Alex Farmer was on last time, Jake, and he uh, left Pilgrim. Uh, and you're going to pick us, pick a Pilgrim up, a Pilgrim Christian up uh, at, at quite a very powerful place in the story. So just, just yeah. tell us where we're at. Well, Pilgrim has come into the way um, and he has found um, uh, the narrow gate that he went through. And the, the narrow gate then takes him up a hill at this point, he's carrying this burden, and it's, and, it's, and it's weighing him down. He almost loses everything in the slow of the despair, and um, and he and he just he can barely carry it. But he is working his way to this place where he sees the cross, and um, and, and it's it's interesting to watch and to read what he's doing as he gets to that cross. He sees the cross, and there's a grave down the hill, cross. The burden falls off of his back and it rolls into the grave and is seen no more. Uh, what, what a beautiful picture, right? Uh, it's, an, it's an amazing picture that, that we have that the cross takes that burden from us. And it's, a, it's an issue of grace there that we see. Um, he didn't have to shed it, but it was, shed, it was taken from him. It wasn't something that he did, but he was carrying it for sure. But uh, it, it wasn't something that he could get off himself. He talks about that over and over again. He can't get rid of this burden. He can't get rid of the burden. I think the burden is guilt. I think it's a, it, the burden is, um, is uh, fear of, of judgment, uh, certainly coming from, the, the, um, it, from his town of, despair, of, of destruction. Uh, he's, he talks about that early on. He says, the destruction's coming and I have this burden and I can't get it. I'm afraid of, just afraid of judgment. So I think all of those things are there. So, you know, as I was reading that, again, uh, I, I immediately thought of my favorite old bishop, Bishop Ryle, talks about assurance in Knots Untied, I believe. And he says, you know, he talks about people who are saved, who have given their lives to Christ. I mean, Christian is, is in there. Uh, on the way, he's gone through the narrow gate, but he's still carrying this burden. And and Ryle talks about assurance. He said, you know, people can can be saved and still not feel that assurance of 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 their salvation. They're still carrying the burden, but that doesn't mean that they haven't they haven't they've lost their salvation. It just means that they they haven't had it taken from them. And and he, he strives in in knots untied to explain that dynamic. And I think that's what. What Bunyan's doing here is, and if this is an allegory of his own walk, uh, it says something about, doesn't it? It says something about uh, how he struggled with that. Um, so I, I think, I think, I think uh, Christian is saved. His name is Christian. It talks about his name being what it was before that later on in this chapter. But um, but when did when did salvation happen? Yeah, let's talk about I, that a little bit. I mean, when does it happen for us? When did it happen for him? Did, did you, talk us through that from your perspective. Well, I I think, you know, I, I'm I think that for me, Christianity, well, the Word of God talks about about being the elect and before the foundation of the world. And I think that that is is obviously clearly uh, outlined in the Bible. But the moment that it becomes the reality of who we are is, is when we trust Jesus for our salvation, um, when we give our lives to him and we make him Lord and Savior. Um, and, and a lot of discussion is, is happening prior to this of that. Um, 
So I, th- I think when Jesus talks about strive to enter the narrow gate, that's what Bunyan is trying to say. He's entered into the narrow way. And that narrow way means he's he's not he's not going to go to the right or to the left, and we see that that work itself out here even in this chapter. He's not going to go to the right or the left. He's going to follow Jesus. And I think that means that he's that makes him Lord. So I would say that here in Bunyan's um, story, when he enters the narrow gate, he's in the way and therefore mm. saved. Um, and and when he sees the cross, I think he already he already knows about the cross. But when he sees it, and he realizes what's happened, the burden falls from him, and he no longer has to carry it. Perhaps if he had understood that prior to this, it would have fallen off. But the grace is when he sees the work of Jesus on the cross, and the empty grave where his burdens fall into and are seen no more. Um, that's, that's, a, an, that's to me is assurance. That's, to, that to me is his sense of, of, oh, this is, this has a real profound, um, meaning for, for me beyond just trying to strive my way to the celestial city. The cross therefore takes everything that isn't for him to carry off of his back. Doesn't it make you, uh, think of those great words of Jesus enter by the narrow gate. For yes. the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. Leads to destruction. There you That's go. Right. And those That's that right. enter by it are many. That's significant. But Jesus also says the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those mm-hmm. who find it are few. That's that's right. And in fact, when when he meets formalists in hypocrisy who have these great characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I I love it. They they climbed (laughs) over the wall to get into the narrow way. And um, and when they get to the the hill of difficulty, because that's that's the passage in Matthew, chapter seven, that you've just quoted there. Uh, they choose to go around it to an easier, what looks to be an easier way. And one of the ways is called destruction yeah. and they, and they perish there. Uh, you know, we can talk about that dynamic between the uh, formalist and hypocrisy, not choosing to walk the narrow way, but choosing to walk a way that seems easier. And as they say in their own, own wisdom, as they go, their way or their own tradition, the the ways that they've always done things. Um, It's, 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 we we better just pause there, Bishop, because you and I (laughs) are in a uh, denomination um, Mm -hmm. that actually has significant tradition. And when I looked at this, I thought about this and I thought about as a pastor now for 33 years, um, one of the, the, the great gifts, I believe, that has strengthened my Christian journey is the discipline of the order that we have received yes. from the English reformers, Amen. Uh, particularly morning prayer, evening prayer, and when we do so, the celebration of the Lord's Supper. Um, uh, but we do have to be careful that we don't become more Anglican than we are Christian. Just just talk to That's us a little bit about that. that. Yeah. Well, y- you know... Um, uh, when Jesus and his disciples were walking through the fields on the Sabbath and they were plucking grain and eating it, they were they were chastised for breaking the Sabbath. And, and what did Jesus say to them? He says, man, Sabbath was made for man, 
not man for the Sabbath. Mm. Um, I, I think that that's informative for us because the liturgy can be can be viewed in much the same way. It is it's a tool for us. It is it's a valuable tool, a tool that I would encourage anybody to pick up. But it doesn't it is it doesn't run us. It doesn't rule us. There's a rule of life, certainly, but it's not. It, it, we don't exist for the liturgy. We, the liturgy exists to give us um, a vehicle to the cross, to Christ, to to the one who grants us our salvation through grace by faith. And, um, and it helps us, it helps us to stay on the narrow way, keep pulling it back to the, to the book. So, um, mm-hmm. yes, I agree with you. We can, we, we need to strive to not be more Anglican than Christian, uh, but recognize the great tradition that has been handed to us and the purpose for which it was given to us and, and, um, and use it that way. So we don't become legalists. We don't become formalist. And we don't become uh, hypocritical in that. We we have to uh, we recognize the great tool and we use it uh, appropriately. There are some other characters that uh, Christian comes across here. Um, yes, do those come to mind for you. Well, let me go back to formalist and hypocrisy. They, yeah. I, I when I look at all of the other characters who are in the narrow way, we don't see. Uh, how they got there, where we have to, I think we have to assume they went through the narrow gate. But formalist and hypocrisy jump over. They jump over, try to get in, um, try to get in a different way because it was too hard, they say, to go around and get into the narrow way. Um, so are they saved? There's a good question. Um, I, I would say they haven't gone through the narrow way and therefore are not, but they have a semblance of Christian Christianity. But not uh, not the, the the true faith. Then you see people. We also see characters like simple and sloth and presumption yes. um, and timorous and mistrust. Are they? We don't know how they got there, but mm. we assume they went through the narrow way. Are they Christians? I think that we we we're being asked to assume that they are, and yet we and that the dangers of are 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 still there for Christianity. Christians, true Christians who have entered the narrow way. The sloth and, and pre- presumption, uh, the fear and the mistrust of the timorous, all those things are still there. And that's why the way is hard. It's, Could it's it not narrow. be, though, Bishop Alec Jake Worley, that um, uh, some of these characters here uh, that we've been talking about are, in fact, um, uh, Christians by name only? Uh, and mm-hmm. that their their behavior and their lifestyle, in fact, is keeping them from the cross. Sure. Would that be possible? I think that is possible for sure. I, I mean, if you want to apply what we saw with with formalist and hypocrisy, they're they're Christians by name only. But what, what, when we look across the church and we see the wheat and the tares, it's hard to tell who they are. We but we but at some point we know that uh, the fruit will will show them for for who they are at the last days. And I think perhaps that might be a better way to look at it. Um, I, for me, that is. Does yeah, that I just sense? think of the dialogue that takes place with piety, particularly. And yeah. uh, piety says, 
um, you know, you've, you've you've been walking this road. You've been um, you've had the message you've shared. Don't don't you ever think about looking back? Don't you ever think about you know that from which you've come? Uh, in, in fact, to quote him, he says, "Do you not still have some of the old country uh, in you?" And mm-hmm. you know, those are good questions for all of us. But it's always made me wonder how committed to Christ are these individuals that Christian meets in this particular part of his pilgrimage. I, I think that they're not, they're not, um, they're not committed, and perhaps they feel this. To add, to add to the to the allegory, perhaps they feel the security of the narrow way, but are not committed believers. Yeah, I think that's right. And but it's it's interesting to remember that we're all on a pilgrimage, right? right. So. You know, in yes. some level, as you've said just now, they're on their pilgrimage. Um, mm-hmm. What what is required of us, obviously, is to press in deeper to Jesus as we continue to walk closer yes. to Him and closer to that celestial city. I mean, it'd be yes. no good standing at the gates of the city and presenting your formality or your yeah. slothfulness, um, yes. Uh, yes, your piety, which are some of the characters we meet here. Uh, we must present yeah. Jesus. Well, well, what happens to him when he when he has his burden taken off of him? He gets a new a new outfit, mm. and he gets a mark on his forehead. I mean, all the images there are in Revelation, and he's given a scroll or a book. And what is the book? It's the Word of God, perhaps. And um, and and he loses it by taking a nap, kind of falling into the ways of this of sloth and presumption. Um, and then he has to go back and find it because he realizes this is what I need. I need the word of God. And, and I can't just get in on my own. It's just, it's, it's, it's the word that's going to get me there. So I think that that's, that's important for us. Those, those images that he's putting forward there is, uh, are fantastic. Bishop Alec, Jake Worley and I are recording this episode in Advent. Uh, it reminds me, um, Bishop Alec, Jake, of uh, Luther's phrase, where do we go to find Christ? We go to the cradle of Christ, the word of God. And, and, and as we press into the word, um, we find Christ. Just Let's just deviate just for a moment, if we may. Just talk to us a little bit about your pattern of reading the word of God um, and, and why that's important to you in your own spiritual discipline. Well, there are, we, we have, um, we read through the, the Psalms, on a regular basis um, in my house, and uh, and and study scripture on a regular basis, and um, and what it does obviously is that it it we it's hiding the word in our hearts, right? It, and and mm. when we get to that those difficult places in our life, the Lord brings those things up in our hearts, in our minds, in the remembrance of His of what His promises are, so that we can continue moving forward. So. Um, the difficulties of life, as well as the the joys of life, are are, um, are we find we find their meaning and their um, uh, our, our purpose in them through reading the word and what God has to say. And He's the one who wrote it. I mean, that's again we go back to with this uh, Bunyan, and he talks about well, this is the, the the words of the one who's the king. This is His words. And uh, he wants us to know these things, and um, and it's not for for just uh, for no purpose at all. But I think I think it's absolutely right when we give the word of God 
uh, and we try to hide it in our hearts. We study it, we read it, we we meditate on it, and uh, make it a part of our our life. Um, the Lord brings it back by the power of His Spirit, because that's what He said. It remind us of all things He taught in the moments of our need. What else stands out for you in this uh, incredible chapter? Um, this journey towards uh, a pilgrim's ultimate goal. Well, there, there are two things I think about. You know, when he seen, sees Timorous and Mistrust, they talk to him about the lions that are going to come up, and and they don't know that the lions are cha- are chained at the end, at, and uh, and and so they're afraid and they turn back. Uh, but but Christians walk because he slept, puts him in the darkness when he gets up to the lions. And the porter tells him, wait a minute, those lions are chained. Why are they there then? Well, they're there to, to, um, to test you. Do you trust? Do you mm-hmm. trust the way? And, um, and he's, he moves forward through them, while those who were tem- the timorous of distrust did not trust the way. They were too afraid, and they turned back. And I think that that's, that's informative for us. And for me, it was, at least, because when I look back at my own walk, especially early on, didn't know anything about Jesus. I didn't, I, I, I was learning left and right about him. And it was a dark time because I didn't feel his presence. Um, but what was it that carried me through? Well, it was his grace, first of all. Uh, but secondly, it, it was his word that carried me through, that guided me through those times. And I learned, I learned that the, some of the, in some ways, the hard way that I can trust, I can trust his word. So that that struck out to me um, as I look back at my own walk, and um, it, was, it was very helpful, very very joyous. But I think also when he gets to the to the house beautiful, the palace beautiful, and he meets these four virgins, and yes. um, they allow him to stay in there, and the, and it's, he stays there. It's a, it's a place of security and relief for him. For any of the pilgrims, is this place, and and he stays there a couple of nights at least, and the discussion that he has with, with, with them is, uh, is beautiful because one of the things that happens is that he get, they, they talk to him about the saints who have gone before. And they talk to him, and, and of course, Hebrews chapter 11 is, should yeah. be going through our mind as we think about the, the, the faithfulness of the saints, even those who have, have, have um, undergone extreme persecution, who kept the faith and walked the walk and kept moving forward in it and trusting Jesus. And they take him to the brow of the hill as he's getting ready to leave. And 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 he says, wow, going down the, this hill looks harder than it is than it was to go up. Mm. And they say, yes, it is, because you're going down to the down, into the valley of humiliation. But remember, I think what he's saying is remember those who went before you. You're not alone in this. You're you're not the only one who's experienced this. They made it through, and you can too by the grace of, of the Lord. Yeah, there's so, this wonderful um, a passage with regards to that. They take him into an armory where he sees yes. all kinds of equipment for soldiers. Let me read it. In the holy war, swords, shields, helmets, breastplates, mm-hmm. effectual prayer, and shoes that would never wear out. And they told him that the ruler of the hell had enough of this equipment to furnish Every person Everyone. who desired to resist evil in his progress yes. to that isn't that great? And gives Fantastic. us confidence in Christ leading us in this journey. Yes, 
It's fantastic. I love that. I love that. There's also a wonderful, uh, Jake, as we begin to conclude, there's this wonderful dialogue between Christian and prudence. Let mm-hmm. me read some of it. Yeah, prudence. Yeah. Do you find at times that those carnal things of which you speak seem to be so purged? I seem to be purged Christian. Yes, those times are the golden hours of my life. However, these experiences I do not have as often as I would. Prudence, can you remember by what means you obtained those victorious, happy experiences? Christian, yes. When I think on what I saw and what I received at the cross, or when I think of the country to which I am going, or read from the pilgrim's book and pray all doubts and fears, anxieties and cares, all evil seem to vanish away. It's just so powerful. It reminds us, Jake, doesn't it, to keep our eye on Jesus and and to keep looking to him. And even when even when all of these things happen, and, and uh, Bishop um, Chris Warner is going to take us on the next episode into all the, the value of evil and darkness, um, <laughs> even in the midst of that, we can trust the Lord to see us through. Yes, that's right. That's right. The work of Jesus is a completed work, and it's sufficient for us to see him, see it through because he's alive today and walking with us. Such good news. So with that in mind, Bishop Jake, Bishop-elect Jake Worley, would you uh, lead us in prayer and, and pray that we might keep our focus too on Jesus as we walk our own pilgrimage? Yes, let's pray. Father God, we give you praise and thanksgiving that you in the fullness of time, sent your son to live and die, rise again, ascend for us, intercede, and even now is interceding for us, and will one day come back again for us. Lord, um, I thank you, Jesus, that you are called the rock, the, the, the rock that is higher than we are, where the waves and the storms and the tempests cannot shake you, and we can stand upon you. Lord, I pray, Father, that you would help each one of us who hear this message, who read this uh, wonderful book, who read the book of the program, the Word of God, and see your face, to see your love, to see your help, to see the work that you did for us on the cross, and therefore give us that sense that uh, Christian in this book is has that when you, we look upon your cross, we see the work that you did for us, and we see that the evil and the world around us has no power against it and that we can trust you. Lord, I pray that you would give us that assurance, that you would take the burdens off of each one of us as we look to your cross. And Lord, that we would look in forward in the hope that is set before us of being with you in the celestial city. So Lord, give your grace to us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen indeed. This has been the Bishop's Book Club on Living Through the Word, the podcast of the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word. I'm Julian Dobbs, and I commend you to God and the word of his grace. God bless you.